Hey, good morning, guys. Happy Sunday. Uh, happy morning gathering together as a, as a church community. Uh, it is a, it's an absolute joy just to be uh, just continuing our time together uh, to come back uh, every week and just, man, just to come and uh, to worship our God and to love one another as a community. That's, that's really, uh, man... I'm so excited about where we're going this morning to talk about this idea of Sabbath and, and experiencing this, this sacred moment that God has, has built into our lives, but also uh, that is a, this, this desire for where we're going as well. So we're going to finish up our series today on the Sabbath uh, as, as we've been tracing it throughout the Bible, and today is going to be a little bit different. And you're like, every day is different. I'm like, I know. Hear me out. But today is going to be a little bit different from, from where we've been coming from through this series. Uh, much of our, our time has been discussed as we practice this art of sacred Sabbath rest. And, 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 and the Sabbath idea, as we've talked about, is about how we stop and celebrate what God has done in us and through us and for us, that's this concept of Shabbat, to stop. And, 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 but as we've, we've seen it being worked out in our lives, we've talked a lot about how Sabbathing is, is much about as we look to the past and as we experience the present. And, and let me explain that and where, we, where we've come. We, we Sabbath because God has created this sacred moment for us to enjoy. On the seventh day, God finished the work of creation and he rested. We Sabbath because God reminded us in that moment in creation that he himself is a rest-filled being and he created you in his image to be a rest-filled being. We Sabbath because God has set us free from, from human pursuits that, that ensnare us and enslave us to just this, this, this rhythm of unceasing work and busyness and distractions. We Sabbath because we were once slaves and have now been set free to rest. So that's, that's how we are Sabbathing in light of the past, Right? Now, we also are Sabbathing. If you're new here, we've been, we've been going for seven weeks on this concept of Sabbath in the, in the Bible. Um, and, 
And, and this, we also talk about how we're Sabbath. We, we actually practice the art of Sabbath because in the present, we also need it right now, right? We're exhausted through our, 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 in, in, in pushing the limits of, of human limitations and, and pushing and striving beyond our, our margins. And that pushing and pressing and, and striving forward is, is in fact the very thing that got uh, Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, into trouble in the first place. Pushing beyond what they were meant to experience extending past their limitations. And that's something that we we struggle with today. So practicing the Sabbath, taking this this space, this day to, to rest and refresh and renew ourselves... It is meant to, to, to bring us into the present moment and, and, and kind of renew our lives and bring us back under the rule and reign of God. It shows our, our hurry. It slows down our hustle. And, and it allows God to heal the body and the spirit. Sabbath is that sacred moment that draws us back to the reality that our relationship with God is not based on doing. It is based on being. There is nothing that you can do on your own, in your own power, that will grant you favor with God and earn you his grace. It is precisely by not doing In other words, by surrendering, that you can experience the abundant life that you've been searching for. I I, I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, Sabbath is that uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. Now today, I want to, to talk, uh, spend our time together thinking about how our practice of Sabbath rest points us forward. It's not just about what God has done in the past or what God is doing in the present, but it's also about what God will do in the future. And another way to say this is that for us, when we practice the Sabbath, when we remember the Sabbath day and we keep it holy, We maintain the sacred space and time that God has carved out to spend with his people. It is a day to remember. It is also a day to refresh. And it is a day to rehearse as well. And by rehearse, what I mean is, it is a day to practice living the life that will come when Jesus returns and declares that all things have been completed through him, that in him all of the work has been finished, and that we may finally and fully find our rest in him every day. So I want to pray, and then we're going to dive into the text. Father, I just thank you for uh, just teaching us about 
what it means to find rest. We are a hurried people. We are a driven bunch. And so much of that comes, Father, because we, are, we take pride in our work, but also because what we're working for and aiming for is to find some sense of satisfaction and gratification in what we do. Help us, Father, to be a subversive people, a different kind of society that recognizes that, that for us, the very act of not doing, of surrendering our lives, of trusting in you completely, that is the thing that will bring us that satisfaction and joy and gratification and, 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 and peace. And so I thank you for, for just showing us that for continuing to reveal that in our hearts and our lives, for helping us as we, we, we begin to just practice this, this spiritual habit, this sacred practice together, that it would be revealed in us, this window to this, this, this hope that we have. Thank you for that beauty and for your word that speaks to us. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> but uh, fair warning, we're going to be all over the Bible today, okay? So our core verse, our, our kind of home base, our anchor, is going to be Hebrews chapter 4. And so we're just going to kind of wrap and revolve around that, that verse today. So uh, we're going to pray that, we're going to uh, read that together this morning. So if you have it, we're, we're going to get onto it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. What does that mean? What's going on in this passage? If we want to know what's going on in that passage, we're gonna, I need to take you way back, way back to the beginning of, of Israel's history. And, and we're going we're gonna to, one last time for our series, we're going to go back to the wilderness, back to the desert. And we're going we're gonna to go visit Israel one more time. So uh, we're going to be, let's see, we're going to jump all the way back, Exodus 17. Uh, and you can head there if you want, but here, I'm going to just summarize it for you right now. I'm just going to kind of story it for you uh, at this point. So back in Exodus, Exodus 16, 17, uh, the people of God, they're on this journey. Yahweh has set them free from slavery in Egypt. And, and and they are just now experiencing this, this relief from injustice and, and, and the, the burden of that, that, that slavery was putting on them. But, but there was this promise that was given to them. And they're, they're now wandering in the, in the desert, in the wilderness. And they're like, this isn't that great. But, but there's this promise that God has given to them to look forward to. At the end of this journey... You will find a land 
that is full of prosperity and flourishing, a land that, that Yahweh had promised to Abraham many years ago, here you will find rest from your journey. But it doesn't take very long, as we know, for the people to start complaining about stuff. And they complain about everything. Everything. Have you ever been in a car for a long drive with a bunch of, I just saw somebody point to a full-grown adult, that's awesome. I was going to say a three and four-year-old like, my, like, my, like young children, but... Or full-grown or full men, that happens too. Long, these long car rides and journeys. And, and, and we just start like, man, it doesn't take long before you're like, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Where's the bathroom? Where are we going to get there? I miss, I miss, let's just go back. We're close enough now. We can just turn around. Nobody will, like, we can call it a wash and get back. Uh, we'll just... Go back to where we were before. I miss the way things were before. Who is this? This is, this is people of Israel talking. Who is this Yahweh anyway? Right? The people in this new land. Have you seen the people in this land that we're going to? They're huge. They're going to rip us to shreds when we get there. We don't have a chance against them. The Bible says that the nation of Israel persists in testing their God over and over and over again. And they refuse to trust that he will provide and protect them. And yet, over and over and over again, Yahweh continues to provide. At one point, the people uh, in, in Exodus 17, they're complaining of thirst. They're like, we're going to die of thirst um, and so Yahweh tells Moses, their leader, he says, there's this rock over here. I want you to go over and stand in front of the rock. And listen, I'm going to stand on, th- Yahweh says this, he says, I will stand on top of the rock. And I want you to take your staff and strike the rock. And streams of water will flow out from a rock. And it will provide them with, with water for their thirst. And so Moses goes over, and he stands over the rock, and he strikes the rock, and salvation pours out from it. Rescue from their thirst. Salvation from death pours out. Living water flows from this rock. It saves them from their thirst. And so Moses uh, names the place, Massah and Meribah, which means salvation and happiness. No, it doesn't at all. It doesn't at all. Massah means testing. And Meribah means strife. He named this place testing and strife because the people of God were so frustrating. Testing him. Always in conflict with God. And even though, over and over again, God continues to care for his people, the people continue to test, complain, cause trouble, testing and strife, testing and strife, perpetual 
unrest, an inability to trust in the care and safety that only God can provide. The Torah is filled with these rebellion stories that prevent Israel from experiencing rest. And finally, Yahweh has had enough. He turns to Moses and says, I'm done. How long will they despise me? How long will they not trust me, even though they have seen the signs of my goodness? I'm going to wipe them out and just start over with you, Moses. And so Moses asks Yahweh to hold back his wrath and and to not destroy them. And Yahweh relents, but he tells him this. They will not enter my place of rest ever. And they don't. The people wander through the desert. They just they pass by their promised land for 40 years. And it is their children and grandchildren who finally trust in their God and they are let in. Now, that's a great story, and it's a great lesson about trusting in God for the rest that you desire, but it is not the end. Because it seems that when God promises that Israel would never enter into his space of rest, he meant it. Israel does, they reached the promised land, and they had their space to to dwell and flourish and grow. They built this kingdom, in fact. But rest, that state of contentment and wholeness and trust in the presence of a holy God, that remained elusive. There's this song that One of the kings of Israel, this man named David, writes and illustrates this so well. And in fact, this song is what is quoted, in fact, in Hebrews chapter 4. And the song goes like this. Come, let us shout joyfully to Yahweh. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let us enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. For Yahweh is a great God a great king above all gods. The depths of the earth are in his hand. The mountain peaks are in his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands form the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before Yahweh, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day at Massah in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. David calls Yahweh the the rock of our salvation. Now, Now think back to Exodus 17. Remember, where is God standing in that moment? He's standing on the rock. He says, Yahweh is present with you. 
He is the source of your rescue. When you strike the rock, it is like you are striking Yahweh himself and from him pours out your salvation. He goes on and he says, Yahweh is the true king over all the cosmos from the the highest of mountains to the seas and the earth to the depths of the earth below. All are his. He cradles the entire universe in his hands. This God is both infinitely transcendent and imminently near. He shepherds you. He cares for you. He is our God, and we are his people. I mean, that's covenant language right there. And then David has Yahweh speak. And he says, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, meaning strife. As on that day at Massah, testing in the wilderness. I was disgusted with that generation. They did not know my ways. They did not follow me. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my space of rest. Psalm 95 is this song of joy and thanksgiving, yes, but it is also a warning and urging that the people of Yahweh would not test their God but that they would trust him, that they would recognize that the creator is also the sustainer and the shepherd. When you finally trust him, you will find the rest you are looking for. Now, fast forward to the author of Hebrews. He tells us right here that Moses spoke to a future rest that he himself never found, Hebrews chapter 3. Joshua enters the promised land, and yet the promise of rest still remains, meaning he never finds it. David sings of the hope of rest, praying that somehow Yahweh's face would turn to a humble and gracious people who surrender their lives to him, and yet rest is not found. After Eden, there is no rest to be found. I mean, sure, the people practice Sabbath, but most of the time they prepare for the state of rest that God desires for them, but they never find it. But now, hear this. Through Jesus, we have access to a rest that we never thought possible. Now look back at the beginning of, chapter, of, of Hebrews chapter 3 and see what it says here. He says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, 
as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Israel, as much as they tried, as much as they did trust, could never remain truly faithful to God. I mean, they're only human after all. But then this new and better Moses comes along, and he is truly faithful, and he establishes a new household built on a firm foundation, steady, sure, a place of rest. We've been, we've been talking about Sabbath rest for a while now. I'm all here, really, and it is vital to our existence, to our relationship with God, to the the health of our souls, our minds and our bodies and our spirits. There is a renewal in us that drives us closer to the presence of God in this beautiful way that Sabbath is both for us and unto us. The Lord. It is a day of completion, a day of rest and of worship. There is a need and a purpose for us to reclaim this sacred art, this spiritual practice. However, you cannot practice Sabbath apart from Jesus. You just can't. It is only through Jesus that we find our rest. If you remember way back in the beginning of our series, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is is light. The way of Jesus is the way of rest all the time. It requires everything from you and nothing of you. It requires everything from you and nothing of you. It is the way of both total surrender, and total contentment. There is nothing more that can be done to earn the rest that you crave. So stop hurrying, stop hustling, and stop pushing to gain that which can only be given. Chapter 4, verse 10, he says, The person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. When Jesus is nailed to the cross, dying for the sins of the world, eternally obedient even unto death, the gospel writer John records the very last word that Jesus spoke, and he says, Tetelestai. 
Tetelestai, and that means it is finished. And that word comes from, from the Greek word telos, which means it is perfect, it is whole, it is peace, shalom. All has been finished, all has been restored. Jesus finishes his work and he enters into his rest. And the thing about this, this when he says that word, it also means that we who believe, we who trust in his finished work above anything else that we could ever do, we die to ourselves and are renewed again to eternal life now, meaning we enter into his rest with him right now. Eternal life is not later. It is not when you die. It is not someday in heaven. It is now. Right now, as you sin, you are experiencing the eternal life that Jesus has promised you. We who have trust in Jesus, we enter that rest. The promised rest remains. Jesus invites you in this moment to experience his heavenly space, to stop and to celebrate. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not in heaven right now. Jesus hasn't returned to, to, to rest, like finish up his kingdom works. There is still, as we look around, we, there is still the threat of busyness and hardship and distractions all around us, pulling at us, shouting at us, drawing us into empty promises of temporary satisfaction and counterfeit rest. So is eternal rest really now? Because it doesn't seem like it sometimes. What if it really is just later, someday, if we play our cards right? The answer is yes. That rest that Jesus promises is for you both now and later. Right near the end of the book of Hebrews, the author declares that as a great cloud of witnesses surrounds us, let us run with our eyes fixed on Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. Meaning, the race is not yet over. We find rest and the, the promise is here, and yet it remains. It's incomplete. We see glimpses now but it is not in the fullness that we will one day find. But then, then at the end of chapter 12, the author declares this powerful statement, and it blows my mind when I read it. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, 
and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. You have come to Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, your name is now written in heaven. Sabbath for Christians is not a sorrowful affair. It is not a glimpse of suffering and sadness and disappointment. It's a party. Our practice of Sabbath is a window into the future, a glimpse of heaven on earth, a preparation feast of unending satisfaction and eternal rest. This is a future There is, yes, a future, a promise that remains to be perfectly fulfilled. But in the present space, in the present time, you are experiencing heaven on earth in worship. This gathering right here, this is our connection to the story of rest and worship that we are drawn into in Jesus. That experiential, sacred moment of creation as it should be, where we rest and rule with God in freedom. When we come to Sabbath together, we are rehearsing for the ultimate kingdom rest, where God says at the end, Revelation 21, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. Remember Exodus 17? Jesus, the rock of our salvation, streams of water flow and bring rescue and salvation. What is he saying? Verse 6. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. Wow. And in verse 3, he says, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. Listen to this covenant language. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. When we gather together as a community and we practice the art of sacred rest, of Sabbath, it is our time to practice for eternity, to rest and to celebrate and to enjoy. It is a feast a party, a joyous occasion. That is what Sundays are all about. So here's, here's what we're going to do. Next week, I think we should have a Sabbath party where we come together and we do nothing but worship our God and enjoy his blessings to just be satisfied in him. I think we should just have a time together where we enter the throne room of God in awe, yes, but also in utter joy and delight. 
for the whole morning. We should just practice for eternity. Let's pray. Father, the gift of rest that you provide, this promise that remains for us even now is so powerful and transformative. God, my prayer is that it would change our people, that it would declare to the world, we are not a sorrowful people. We are not a suffering people. We are a people who have been freed by you to experience the life you have always meant for us to experience. May we rest in you. May we celebrate you. May we look forward to the time when you will return. Father, what a, what a, a beautiful promise that you provide. And we thank you for your son who has made it possible for us. In his death and resurrection, that he brought peace, a finished work, to boast in him, to hope in him, to share in this beautiful space of rest and refreshment and joy. I thank you for this this practice. Help us, Father, to continue to learn how to enjoy this gift that you've given us. It is in your name we pray. Amen.